Hello and welcome back to the Audio DT with Reb T, the Audio Devar Torah with Reb T, the show where we talk about the Parsha of the Week with some practical lessons to keep. We're talking here in Vayeshev 2020. We're talking here in Hanukkah 2020. The idea of rising up with light. Hanukkah is my favorite time of the entire year, my favorite holiday of the entire year. We're going to talk more about it in a second, but let's look at this Pasuk. We're going to hone in on and focus in on for this week's Audio DT. It says in 3813, it says in Laman Chet, Yud Gimel, here in Vayeshev, it was told to Tamar, behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timna to shear his sheep. So after Yehuda has a situation with Yosef, which we'll talk about in a second also, you, it says that he's going up to Timna to shear his sheep. But this is interesting. This is troublesome because Rashi points out elsewhere in Tanakh it talks about Timna, but it doesn't say going up to Timna. It says going down to Timna. In the case of Shimshon, Rashi points out in Shoftim, it talks about in 14.1 in Yudalit Aleph, it says Shimshon went down to Timna. How is it possible that Yehuda goes up to Timnah, and how is it possible that Shimshon goes down to Timnah? How could it be going up or going down? you got to choose one, no? It can't be both at the same time. But Rashi points out and explains, Timnah sat on the slope of a hill. One ascended to it from one side and descended to it from the other side. So it's possible to get to Timna by going up, and it's also possible to get to Timna by going down, which I believe they might say also about Hevron. I could be mistaken, but definitely by Timna over here, this is what Rashi points out. The story has switched in this part of the Sefer Boratius from talking about Yaakov to Yosef and moves to Yehuda for a little bit. Interestingly, though, before... Talking about Yehuda going up to Timnah talks about the fact using the word Vayered. When it talks about Yehuda, Tamar's story about to introduce it, it says In the beginning of the chapter, a couple of earlier, after they sell Yosef and Yehuda's really instrumental in the sale, which at least he wasn't thrown into a pit anymore, but the brothers blamed Yehuda because they saw how much it affected Yaakov, how upset Yaakov got. He was in terrible disposition. He was in mourning for 22 years until Yosef came back. And it was because of the sale. Some say it's because on some level, Yaakov didn't believe Yosef was fully dead. And there was no consolation. There was no comfort. There was no closure. Even if he was really dead, God forbid, at least if there was a burial or if he saw the body, there could be closure that he could properly grieve. But when someone's missing in action, God forbid, like a POW, or prisoner of war, if someone missing an action in battle, we should never know from any of these things. There's no closure. It's very difficult on many levels in general for loss and death. We should never know from such things. But even more so, when you don't know, it's very hard. So Yaakov was in a very bad state of mind, a very bad state of being, very despondent. The brothers blamed Yehuda because he was the one that guided them to do that. So after this, Yehuda Vayered, he goes down. What does it mean he goes down? He went down from his position of leadership. I believe that there's 
the idea that he was taken down from his position. He went down, he lost his position of leadership. He was the leader of the brothers. Of course, later on, he becomes the leader of the kings. The kingship line, the royalty comes from him. But here he fell. He was on a downward slope because there are two things we can do in life. We could rise up or we could fall down. Rashi points out over there. Now, it came about at that time. Why was this section placed here? Why does it talk about Yehuda and Tamar, the story? At that time, why is it juxtaposed with the section dealing with Yosef? To teach that his Yehuda's brothers demoted him from his high position when they saw their father's distress. They said, you told us to sell him. Had you told us to return him, we would have obeyed you. We listened to what you told us to do. The Tanchuma Buber explains in Vayeshev, he turned away from his brothers and he was demoted. The idea being, Timna explains for us an idea that you could only get to Timna by going up or going down. You could get to Timna by rising up, going up a hill, or you could get to Timna by walk by going down. In life, there's only two ways to be. You could rise up or you could go down. You can't stagnate. There's no such thing as stagnation. There's no such thing as standing still or being still. Either you're rising up, you're doing good, you're contributing to the world, doing more mitzvahs, more chas, and more... To make the world better, doing your, your part in tikkun ha'olam and fixing the world, or you're going down, God forbid, falling down the slope, wasting time, sinning, doing bad things, God forbid. Yehuda was demoted. He went down. The sale was not a good thing. He went down. But then he had to go up, maybe because of the story with Tamar, even though it was a crazy story and the crazy way that they were ended up together. Maybe might be a very crazy thing, but the Medrash talks about how, you, how Hashem says, this came from me. Great things came from the Yehuda and Tamar union. They're coming together. The kingship came from that union. Tamar knew on some level kings were going to come from her. She didn't know how. So first she thought it was going to be from the kid, and that kid didn't make it. Then the next kid didn't make it, and, and Yehuda wasn't going to give his third son, Shayla, anyway. But it came from Yehuda. So even though he was demoted, he went down from his position in his brothers. Then he went up to Timnah. And spiritually, a great thing happened. The sparks of holiness, the sparks of the royalty came about many years later. David Amalekh comes from that line from Yehuda. And Mashiach comes from Yehuda. Because there's only two ways to be. In life, you could go up or you could go down. And we all need to be going up always, not going down. There are only two ways to be and to live. Either we are going up and improving and elevating those around us or by falling, God forbid, and going down the slope. Just as Timna was on a hill and can either get there by going up or going down, so too in our own lives we can either only go up or go down. There's no stagnation. There's no standing still. We either improve or fall down, God forbid. Bring good or bring bad to the world, God forbid. And to me, this ties in very easily and very well to the idea of Hanukkah, which is literally my favorite holiday of the entire year. 
What is the idea of Hanukkah? Hanukkah comes, comes literally during the darkest time of the year. The shortest days of the year are in December. The shortest days of the year are in Kislev. We have such a short amount of daylight. It comes nighttime so quickly. Shabbat starts the earliest in December in Kislev. Shabbat starts at like 4.09. And then it ends at 509 or whatever, but that's the earliest that Shabbos comes in. The world feels dark. The season is cold. The daytime is waning. Nighttime comes. It could feel like a dark, depressing time. It could feel like a very gloomy time. It could feel like a time when there's no hope, there's no light, especially in our crazy, crazy year we've been having, the crazy pandemic of 2020. It's so easy to feel that the world is very dark, very depressing, very gloomy, lacking hope, lacking a bright future. Hanukkah comes to teach us, no, we could feel terrible, we could feel hopeless, but that's not how we actually have to be. We could either go down or we could go up. Hanukkah comes to teach us we must infuse our days with light. We must rise up with lights, rise up with light. We must make sure that all of us are rising up with light to bring to the world, to ignite the world, to inspire the world, to do good things in the world. The idea of the Hanukkah lights is to bring light into the world through Torah, to elevate ourselves and everyone around us. One candle is all that is needed to banish the darkness. The famous phrase goes, that all you need is that one candle to banish the darkness. If you're in a forest alone and it's dark, it's gloomy, it's terribly, terribly devoid of light in all levels, all you need is one candle to get rid of that darkness. That's why when Rabbi Akiva was on the way and he lost everything, because Hashem wanted to save us for Hashkach Pratis, a different story. But he brought with him that candle. He didn't bring a whole candelabra of 55,000 candles. He brought one candle to keep him company, to bring the light. Maybe the candle represented Torah and mitzvahs and chesed. The idea of the Torah itself being light. Torah zu ora. Torah is the light. We need to infuse our lives, infuse everything around us into the world to elevate ourselves, to elevate everyone. One candle is all that is needed to banish the darkness. One soul with the flame of Torah burning deep within, within us can ignite and inspire those around us. H.com points out that it's so interesting how Hanukkah is contrasted with Lahavdil, Lahavdil, the Gaisha quote-unquote holiday they have in December. Their holiday is one day, but it's very much in your face. It's very much loud, and on some level I would say obnoxious. It's very much over the top. You know, they have the red and they have all these songs, every commercial, every movie, everything about everything. The greatest time of the year and all these things. It's very much in your face. But Hanukkah is so much not like that. It's so much keyed down. You know, some people might have Hanukkah decorations like we did this year. We went all out and we did Hanukkah decorations. We wrapped the presents and it's a wonderful thing. But it's very much low-key. There are no advertisements for Hanukkah. There's no, you know, there's no cultural songs that everyone knows that they play on the radio for Hanukkah. There's a song here and there a comedian might have wrote. 
but it's not like it's bread and butter to the secular non-Jewish society. It's very low key. It's very hidden. It's very quiet. And I feel like on some level, that's a very big disservice because first of all, Hanukkah is eight times as long as that holiday, eight times as many presents, eight times as much enjoyment, eight times as much joy, happiness, simcha for what Hashem did for us back in the day, the, the wonderful miracles he wrought for us by letting the few defeat, defeat the mighty. It said that it was only 300 soldiers, the Maccabim, the Hashmonim taking on the Syrians, the, the Yavanim, the Syrian Greeks taking them on taking them down 300 against thousands upon thousands what an unbelievable miracle and they rose up they stood up these people of Kohanic lineage I believe they wanted to take out and fight what the Greeks the Yavanim were trying to infuse the Yavanim wanted to take out all spirituality from our lives they said it's okay to live and be a Jew it's okay to physically be a Jew we just don't want you doing any of that spirituality stuff we don't want you doing any of those mitzvahs. It's said that they fought them and took out three major mitzvahs. It's said that they, they didn't want the Jews doing Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Bris Milam. Why those three mitzvahs? Why those out of all the mitzvahs in the Torah? Why don't you take away tefillin? Why don't you take away talis? God forbid nothing should ever be taken away. But why did they choose those? Why not just take away the phylacteries and the fringes? Because... They recognize on some level, for some reason in the past, even in the Talmud, it strikes me how much non-Jewish people knew in the olden days and how they were so well-versed in our literature, our Judaic literature, and our mitzvahs. How did they know? Rosh Chodesh is the way to determine the Jewish year. Without Rosh Chodesh, God forbid, you can't make the month. You can't set the holidays. You can't go about and go and have a Jewish year. You're undermining the entire foundation foundation of the entire Jewish year. Taking away Shabbos, the quintessential evidence, the quintessential testimony that Hashem made the world and rested on the seventh day. Showing to us the idea of how we sanctify and bring holiness every seven days. You take away that. That's a cornerstone of our faith and our existence, God forbid. And bris milah, that's the hallmark of a Jewish male. The distinction of being of the Abrahamic legacy. Being of an Abraham. Of someone of the children of Abraham, of Avraham. Those were the three they wanted to take away. They wanted to destroy everything, but they did so and they were very pompous and they had much fanfare and they were very much about the physical, very much about in your face. And that's the same thing nowadays with the secular. H.com pointing out in that article how they wanted to, to, to have things that are very much in your face. They have things very much loud and obnoxious and they had the Olympics and it was about physical perfection and it was about the looks and the shallowness and about the hevel and about spending money on made-up things, made-up concepts. There's a whole amazing lecture by Rabbi Kellerman, Lawrence Kellerman, Rabbi Lawrence Kellerman, who talks about the, the absurdity of Xmas, the absurdity of the New Year, how it started as a Saturnalia, which was a license to kill, rob, loot, and do terrible things, especially to Jewish people. Why do people celebrate that? There's no real significance, religiosity to it, if you really look into the history of it, this is all based on a hodgepodge, a chillin, if you will, of crazy customs from totally different cultures. But Hanukkah stands there in the background, quietly standing with those flames, with those candles, burning bright and explaining in its own quiet way, this has been here based on truth for thousands 
of years. This has been around since the time of the second Beit HaMikdash. These lights, these stubborn, beautiful, persistent lights have been here and stay with us. And we don't need the fanfare. We don't need the, the, the pompousness. We don't need to be in your face. We're quietly in the background. That's the idea of Hanukkah, maybe, on some level. H.com points out, I forget the author, but a wonderful article explaining how it's not about the pompousness, but it's in the quiet, it's in the background. Hanukkah teaches what's really important. We live for the hope. We, we light up the nights. We light up our life, understanding there's only two ways to go, to rise up with the lights, to rise up and stand against what culture stands for, what secularism stands for. They're all about materialism, selfishness, egotism, egotistical. It's all about me. What can I get? What can you do for me? How many selfies can I take? Can you follow me? I'm an influencer. I do nothing to make the world better. I just post pictures of myself drinking a beer, God forbid, or or uh, going shopping with my friends and I'm an influencer, I'm changing the world. It's such selfishness. It's, it's lacking spirituality. Hanukkah says, no, I don't need to be in your face. I don't need to be on this social media, this garbage, this materialism of throwing commercials and songs and everything in your face. I'm in the background. I am quiet and modest. The hallmark of a Jew is being bashful, being embarrassed and being someone who's actually empathetic and considerate to other people. This simple way, having those golden lights, those beautiful lights hidden to others, their holidays right in your face, but we're not. But we have those lights that teach us what to really be about, what to really live, how to really persevere and be persistent, what we're really supposed to do in this world. You want to have vanity, you want to fall down the hole, then you go and you follow what the culture says, God forbid. But that's not the Jewish way. That's not the Jewish right way of life. You stay and you follow the real things. Don't run after Hevel. Don't run after materialism. Don't run after the terrible. Stay. Rise up with the lights, with your candles. Light those lights. Light your soul. Light your fire inside you. Ignite the passion of Torah to do good, to be good, to influence others. Where is the fire within you? Kiner mitzvah, the Torah, or the light, the flame of the candle, the soul, the mitzvahs are all what it's about. The flame is Torah. Torah zu ora, we say, as we mentioned before. The soul should be on fire, should be passionate to help those around you through a life of Torah and mitzvahs and chesed. Ner Hashem nishmas adam chofes kolchad revatin. Hashem is guiding us. Hashem takes us. Hashem brings us. The lights are supposed to have us rise up and not be stagnating, God forbid, not be falling with the false allure of the in-your-face society. We should not fall, we should rise up. There's only two ways to go. As we see from Timna, we see from people in general, there's only two ways to go. You could rise up or you could fall. Yehuda was the top of the brothers, he fell. But then he walked up to Timna and royalty came from him later on. There's only two ways to go, rising or falling. There's another tremendous story from Chabad where there's a, a, a class of students, 10-year-old students, who go on a trip to see the, 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 the wonderful, wonderful, quote-unquote, sarcastic, the wonderful elements of decorations of the non-Jewish holidays. This student was in a non-Jewish school. His father was a rabbi. He wasn't able to go to a private school. Let's call him Josh. The article calls him Josh from Chabad.org. Again, I forget the author, but I recently saw a fascinating article. So he goes on this trip, 
And he's miserable. He's despondent because he knows what the real is, reality is. Even at 10 years old, he understands what the truth is. He, he feels Hanukkah, lives Hanukkah. And they're going around. They're seeing these different decorations. And all the kids are ooing and eyeing. And they're loving it. These 10-year-olds, they see the green. They see the red. They see the suit. And they see all the Xmas stuff. And they're so impressed. And he's not feeling it. The teacher says, what's wrong? And he says, this is not mine. This is not mine. All these other people, they don't really know what they're clinging on to. But he had a Yiddish spark, a Jewish soul. He felt like none of these decorations were him. And he was very despondent. The teacher felt so bad because he was not feeling the trip, the field trip. It was not appealing to him. He didn't like it. He didn't enjoy it until finally, deep down the alley, through a crack, through the crevice, he saw the glint of a menorah. He got so excited, his heart started beating faster. He run down the alley. The teacher follows him, and they see that he's, his eyes are glowing with the hint and the glint of the metal. He saw a menorah, and he says to his teacher, This is mine. This is what I could latch onto. This is what I could connect to. It always boggles my mind why there's a thousand decorations and there's so, you know, culture is supposed to be so sensitive, religiously sensitive to all faiths and everything. But how often do they wish anyone actually a happy Hanukkah at the right time? Do they really wish messages of Hanukkah? Do they play Hanukkah music? Do they talk about the beautiful idea of Hanukkah? Or do they focus on one holiday, quote unquote holiday, not even explaining any significance to it because of course the whole Shia Barabi Kalman explains it's a whole hodgepodge to begin with but anyway the idea is that we need to understand Hanukkah is a beautiful beautiful existence and significance and anyone who really knows Hanukkah knows the two main miracles the, the defeating of the Greeks the Yavanim the Syrian Greeks by the hands of the few the Hashman and the Maccabees who stood up and said I will not have my spirituality taken away from me I cannot handle this I cannot do this I will not take this lying down the beautiful idea of persistence and stubbornness. A whole lecture, God willing, will be talked about this, the stubbornness and tying it into Hanukkah to Amir Tashembli and Harap. And the second miracle of how after they defeated the Greeks, how after they were able to reestablish, rededicate the Beit HaMikdash, Chanukhafei, they rested on the 25th, they rededicated the temple, Chanukah Tabayit. That's why we say, Mizmarshir Chanukah Tabayit, David. We rededicate the temple. When they rededicate the temple, they look, they want to kindle the menorah. The Chanukah in the Mikdash has seven branches. But of course, our Chanukah, our Chanukah, our menorah actually has eight to signify and symbolize what? The fact that they looked for that flask of oil. They couldn't find anything. They searched high and dry and here and near and far. They looked for any oil. All they found was one tiny flask of oil sealed with the seal of the Kohen Gadol because that was the one that we, they knew it was pure. It wasn't impurified. It wasn't ta- touched by any non-Jewish presence or, or vilified or made impure. And they had that tiny flask. That flask probably would have only had enough to be lit for one day. But the miracle was that the, the menorah, there was enough oil to be lit for eight days. That's a real commemoration. That's real spirituality being understood and being commemorated not all this heavel and vanity you think of of secular holidays secular ideas uh, holidays that don't have religious significance what are they really commemorating what are you really thinking about what are you really doing some of them are very good some of them have good meanings and good purposes but some do not you have to understand what you're celebrating you have to understand what you're what you're happy about what you're signifying and hanukkah to me is my favorite holiday of the entire year we recognize the fact
fact that Hashem is miracles open and hidden. Anybody wouldn't have realized it could have looked natural that the flame kept on burning, but it wasn't natural because everything Hashem does is really a beautiful miracle. We call things nature, we call things weather, we call things this and that, but everything is a miracle. Some are more open than others, some are more hidden than others, but everything is a miracle. There were two miracles here. A major open one was the one in the army, 300 defeating thousands, and the other one was more hidden, where the the oil that was supposed to be for one day lasted eight days. To prove that Hashem is with us everywhere, where open miracles and, and hidden miracles, openly taking care of us and hiddenly taking care of us. We have to understand our life is supposed to be about rising up, moving up, commemorating wonderful spirituality, bringing spirituality to the world, teaching others, inspiring others to Torah, Chesed, and Mitzvot. Why not talk to people about Hanukkah? Come, somebody comes over and says, What's this Hanukkah business? What's this Hanukkah? I don't understand it. I know. Is it like the, the Jewish version of the not? No way. This is totally, totally separate. This has real beautiful significance in our Jewish history. And I can explain to you exactly what happened. We commemorate it. We signify. We thank God. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We have to understand the Hanukkah lights. Bring light into the world through Torah to elevate all of us around us, to ignite those around us, understanding to say, this is my holiday. This is my tradition. This is my lights, and I'm going to light others. I'm going to rise up, rising up with light to light others, the light within me to light those around me. Shabbos 21a explains, Basila teaches to us, the way to light candles. There's a machlokas, there's an argument between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. Beis Shammai says you go from eight down to one. The first night you light eight and then seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Of course, the original mitzvah is one candle for the whole household and then maybe one candle for a family member and then mahadrim and mahadrim, which is like one of the only aspects of doing such a thing. We don't say mahadrim and mahadrim, mahadrim for, for lulav and, and esrog and whatnot. There's mahadrim. But this whole idea of mahadrim and mahadrim, each person lighting the eight candles throughout the holiday, one per one, then two, then three, Beis Hillel teaches us the way to light the candle is what? On the first day, one kindles, one light. Shabbos 21 explains in the Talmud from there on gradually increases the number of lights until on the last day they kindle eight lights the reason for Basila's opinion is that the number of lights corresponds to the outgoing days the first day is leaving us I light one night the second day is upon us and then leaving us I light two all the way to eight. Each day, the number of lights corresponds to those days of Hanukkah that was already observed. Their reason is that the number of lights is based on the principle, Ma'alin Bekodesh Ve'en One elevates to a higher level in matters of sanctity, and one does not downgrade. Therefore, if the objective is to have the number of lights correspond to the number of days, there is no alternative to increasing their number with the passing of each day. We want to make sure that every day we do a little more than the day before. We want to make sure each day, each month, each week, each month, each year of our life, we're bringing more spirituality. We're bringing more mitzvahs, more Torah, more chesed, more good to the world. Every day bringing a little more. Rising up with the lights, teaching us we bring light to the world. Every day a little more, a little more. What more can we do for the world? What more can we bring to the world? What more can we do for the world using the light, which is is the wonderful message, one of the many wonderful messages of Hanukkah, my favorite holiday of the entire year. 
I love the singing. I love the dancing. If you're able to with concerts or the like, I love the songs of Hanukkah. I love the oil foods where we recognize and remember the olive oil. I love the games of Hanukkah, remembering the dreidel when the kids were caught during the times of the Yavanim in caves learning Torah. Instead, they took out a dreidel and played. Or if you want to think about the idea near where we think about the idea where it says Nes Gadol Hayasham or Hayapo if you live in Israel. The, the Nes happened, this great Nes happened here. We play the game. If you have Shin, you lose. If you have Nun, you get half. Or you have Gimel, you get all of it. You play with coins. You play with gout. You play with chocolate, whatever. I love that aspect too. And I love giving gifts. Hashem gave us the gift to save us. We give gifts to others. Maybe. Could be on some level. And I love lighting the candles. I love the serenity and the peace it brings when I light those candles with my family. I love Hanukkah. We break out the guitar. The food is good. The games are good. The gifts are good. There's nothing not to like about Hanukkah. I wonder if that's why that's the only holiday that like caught on on some level in secular society. You know, you don't see in movies people like sitting around a Seder or learning at night Shavuos, or even a Shabbos table so much. Hanukkah is like the one secular, like, latch on to. They see that menorah, and that's what, and they're lighting a menorah. Very interesting to me, that's what caught on. But in general, all aspects are lovely. There's nothing not to like. And there are the presents, and it lasts eight days. It's so nice. The holiday is with us for eight days, and the darkest, gloomiest, most difficult time of the year when it's so cold. It feels so hopeless. It feels so depressing, but the lights come to teach us it's not depressing. There's hope. We bring light to the world. The candles inspire me to take the light within me to rise up and bring it without of me to others. Chaburas.org explained, From the Gemara and Shabbos, we learned the highest level of performance of this commandment is Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin. It's achieved when each member of the household... Or perhaps at least one member of each household lights one candle on the first night, two on the second, and so on and so forth till the eighth day. Hanukkah alone lacks a basis in the Bible, in the Torah. As such, it's a holiday that rests on a foundation made entirely of rabbinic enactments. It's for this very reason we light Mahadran, Minam Mahadran on Hanukkah. Think about by Purim, we publicize the miracle du jour by reading Megillus Esther, by Hanukkah, our comparable expression of thanks and joy must come through the oral law, not the written law. Thus, it's become commonplace to follow the highest standards set by the rabbis in the oral law, Torah Shabbat Peh, as a means of relating to the very texts that provide us with their source for the holiday. Hanukkah is fantastic. Hanukkah is amazing. I find it very underrated, underappreciated, under showcased, especially within our own communities. You know, we talk about Hanukkah, how wonderful it is, gifts. But think how wonderful it really is, the lights and being involved with it. You know, people get crazy for Pesach and for Sukkot and for Shavuos. But Hanukkah, how much of us get so into Hanukkah? I keep telling my kids all these weeks, even a month or two leading up to it. Oh my gosh, my favorite holiday of the whole year is coming. My middle son, my three-year-old says, oh my gosh, I love Hanukkah. It's my favorite. Ah, but it's your favorite too, right? And we're talking about it, we're thinking about it, we're getting excited for it. It's a holiday that's coming. It's a wonderful holiday. Underappreciated, under-signified, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Maybe I'm just biased because it's my favorite. But OU.org points out, with the writer of Mendel Weinbach, it's um, 
Beis Hillel sees the battle against immorality in the world, not as a confrontation, but as an important reason to raise ourselves spiritually, to become the embodiment of morality in the world by living according to Torah principles. The entire world would see us and want to imitate us in this way. So Beis Hillel says the most successful method, the more successful method of wiping out darkness is by increasing the illumination of Torah everywhere. Not by burning away evil, but by increasing our light as a Torah nation. For this reason, we increase the number of candles every night to remind ourselves of our responsibility as Jews to steadily increase the light of Torah knowledge and understanding in the world, banishing the darkness of evil by becoming a light unto the nations. We're supposed to be Orla Goyim. We're supposed to be the embodiment of the principle of morality, of a conscience. That's why people hated us throughout history. The, the, the Yamach Shemo in World War II had a book he wrote. And his two main problems with the Jews, even a secular Jew who wasn't religious, was the fact that he called it a conscience of the soul and a, a consciousness of the flesh, a circumcision of the soul, which he called morality, a conscience, and the, and the circumcision of the flesh, the bris mila. He had a big problem with having a conscience. He had a big problem with having morality. The whole idea of Judeo-Christian society is really based on Judaism. Judaism is the first thing that ever came back in Abraham's time. He brought that there's monotheism. He brought there's one God. There are laws you have to live by. You can't human sacrifice. You can't throw your kids in the fire. You can't just do whatever you want. There are rules. There are laws. There's morality. Even if you would say society would really think about that murder is wrong, Hashem says it's wrong. It comes from Hashem. A society might think they could think of laws, but then you could become a Hammurabi, where this guy pokes out an eye, so I'm just going to poke out his eye, and then we're going to poke out everyone's eye until everyone feels just. But no one will feel just, because then you have a hundred people who lost their eye. That's not the right way of going about it. Hashem has a system, and Nezikin had to figure it out. In damages, Hashem brought morality to the world. We're supposed to be a shining example of morality to the world. We're supposed to light up and ignite and bring meaning and spirituality to everyone around us. We're supposed to take the candles, the lights, the fire we see in Hanukkah and our menorah, and the lights, the candles we see on Shabbos and inspire others. Don't do just for yourself. Do for others. Do for the world. We can't be selfish. We'd be selfless. We take the lights of the flaming passion that we hope to get and to acquire over the years and bring it to those around us. How could we influence those around us? We're supposed to be a light unto the nations. That's our own particular God-given role in the world. That's what light is all about. When we perform as light, when we do something about bringing the light of Torah into the world, that's when there is light. When there isn't, when we aren't learning Torah or performing mitzvahs, God forbid, when we assimilate, God forbid, God sends us the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Crusaders, and the pogromists, enlightenment and emancipation, quote-unquote, and the Western world and all of the threats throughout history. They are sent to stimulate us, to wake us up, to realize that we need to be different. They say that if you don't keep Shabbos, the guy will make sure you keep Havdalah. You know what that means? If you don't keep the laws of the Torah, those around you will re make sure you remember that you're not like them. 
They're going to remind you that you're not like them. That's why Yamach Shemol wanted every Jew, even a secular Jew who never did one mitzvah, because he knew the fundamental basis of a Jew. Even if you don't realize, you don't recognize it, you're going to be reminded, God forbid. So you better do your purpose while you're here. They're sent to wake us up, to arouse us back to our original purpose. When we light our Chanukiah, when we light our menorah, we should have in mind, in our encounter with darkness, we don't want to use the flame to burn and destroy the world, God forbid. We want to use it to illuminate the world, the whole world with Torah. We should rise up with light, to light up the world, to ignite the world through Torah and mitzvahs and the moral way of Judaism. We want to light the way for all the nations so that they can prosper materially and spiritually. The prescription for overcoming darkness in our time is the same as it was in the time of the Hellenistic oppression. Same as it was in the time of the Maccabim. By increasing our light through the Torah. If we increase our learning, if we increase our holiness, we will truly be a light unto the nations. And that comes from OU.org with Rabbi Mendel Weinbach. Talking about lights, talking about candles, how to inspire those around us when we see those beautiful flames of the menorah. And I find it so heartwarming walking around, not in the current pandemic, but in general, walking around, seeing all those menorahs. I feel such a menuchata nefesh and menuchata guf, such pleasant feeling to my soul and my body seeing those menorahs. I love walking around, especially in yeshiva. Or in the community, and you see the menorahs in the doors. It's like the signpost of Judaism, the signpost of the Torah way, how we don't forget. We remember the wonderful things Hashem did. We remember the light, the passion, the flames within us in each Jewish household. It's a beautiful thing to see, just like when I see the sukkahs on sukkah itself. The Labavitcher Rebbe explains, the town of Timnah, getting back to the Pasuk we started out with, how we're talking about rising up, we have to rise or, or we, God forbid, fall. There's no stagnation like the idea of Timnah. So Labavitcher Rebbe explains, the town of Timnah is the prototype for all of life's destinations. One never simply goes to Timnah, one either ascends or descends to it. The same is true of the journey of life. There are no two parallel points on the slope of human development, where every step is either a step up or a step down, God forbid, from its predecessor. This is also the lesson implicit in the lights of Hanukkah, which always falls somehow in proximity to the Torah reading of Vayeshev, very often mikates itself also. But this year, of course, Vayeshev, one who kindles a single flame on the first night of the festival, observes the mitzvah of kindling the Hanukkah lights in the most optimal manner possible. But to kindle that same flame on the following night is not only a failure to increase light, but a decline in relation to yesterday's achievement. On the second night of Hanukkah, a single flame would represent a less than optimal observance of the mitzvah, because every day... Every night we're supposed to do more, give more, inspire more, add on to holiness. We go a higher level a little bit every day. We should do more and more a little bit every day. If we do a flame, the same flame every night, we're not doing that. It's less than optimal. For in the diagonal trajectory of life, our every deed and our every endeavor either elevates us or lowers us in relation to our prior station. 
We should realize the lesson of Timnam. We should realize the lesson of how our existence is in this life, especially in relation to the light of the Hanukkah menorah and the light of the Shabbos candles also. There's only two ways to be. You could only get to Timna by walking up or by walking down, depending on your direction. It's on the slope of a hill, so you either get it by going up or you get to it by going down. Do you really want to be going down in your life? Do you really want to be wasting your purpose, wasting your hours and wasting your life away by missing out on what we're supposed to be doing in this life, God forbid? Of course you have to relax. Of course you have to rest. Of course you're allowed to have downtime. Of course you're supposed to give time to your spouse, your kids, and work and take care of what you have to take care of. But your essence, your existence shouldn't be a couch potato. It shouldn't be someone lying in bed all day. It shouldn't be lying on the couch all day. You have to get up and do. You have to get up and inspire and ignite. Light the flame of those around you by taking the inner flame, the inner lights of your soul, of your passion, whatever you could do to contribute to the world. The lights of Hanukkah teach us there's only one way to be. We kindle the flame and a flame to another flame is never diminished. If you give to others, you yourself will never be diminished because you can never diminish a flame. One candle could light how many candles before the candle burns out, but that flame itself is no less powerful by kindling other flames. I think Lahabdul of Yad Vashem, one candle reflected six million times. You just need that one candle, that one starter candle to be reflected and to help and uplift and ignite everyone around you. Because there's only two ways to be. You either rise up or you fall down. God forbid. There's no stagnation. There's no standing still. In this life, there's too much to do. There's too much we could accomplish. There's too much we could contribute to just do nothing and fall down, God forbid. Hanukkah teaches us, besides for understanding that God gave us miracles openly and hiddenly, with with in such an obvious way or in a hidden way, with open miracles or hidden miracles, everything's miracles, everything's from Hashem. But also teaching us that the lights are teaching us to inspire and to ignite, to enlighten and to help those around us. The lights teach us there's a light, a flame within us. How are we going to take it out of us and bring it to the world? Because you could only rise up. We don't want to fall down. There's only going up or going down. There's no standing still. What are we going to do to ignite the flames that we see from Hanukkah to those around us? How can we rise up with light to help those around us? Just as we see Timnah could only be gotten to by going up or going down. We see Yehuda was taken down from his position, but he went back up. And then royalty eventually came from him. So too in our own lives, we could either go up or down. We should always be going up. We should always figure out how to take those flames, take those fire and candles within us. Hopefully we have a burning passion for something and we could apply it to something in our life, something to help others. If you want a podcast, come join us. You want to write something, write it. You want to read something and inspire, do it. You want to create something, innovate something, do it. You're the only person that will ever be. There never was, is, or will be someone exactly like you. We talk about all the time. So you have a unique purpose, a unique mission. You have to do it. It would be a sin not to. 
God forbid. So we take those lights. We understand there's only two ways to be, to rise or to fall. We can only choose rising. And the lights of the Hanukkah teach us that we have to light and help and inspire those around us. Not with the Havel, the in-your-face stuff of society with their version of the high holidays, which really is their happy holidays, which really focuses on only one. But really, we do it in a subtle way. We do it in a beautiful, meaningful way. It doesn't have to be in-your-face, but we say, this is mine. This holiday is mine. This way of life is mine this spiritual meaningful uplifting life is mine this is mine for the taking i'm going to share it with others i'm going to teach it to others i'm going to try to ignite inspire others i'm going to try to rise up with the lights try to give over light to teach with light and to do good with light the parsha teaches us by yeshiv and hanukkah together come teach us in the darkest days In the most gloomy days, in the most depressing days, in the most cold days, what can we do? We light the fire. We light the candles. We ignite the flames to banish the darkness, to banish the hopelessness, to banish the depression that we feel, especially in a terrible year such as this. All we can do is move forward, push forward, try to ignite, to light each flame each night, trying to bring more and more spirituality into our lives every day, more good into our lives every day, more good to those around us every day. We need to be involved in good deeds, good things, good actions. It doesn't have to be crazy big things. It could be simple things, calling someone you haven't talked to in 10 years, sending a meal to someone who had a baby. You don't even have to cook if you don't want to cook. Don't cook, but send them something. Get part of that meal train. Be involved in giving every day. Dailygiving.org is an amazing organization. A dollar a day. Easily parted with. You could sign up monthly. They'll deduct it for you. That's being involved in something. Being involved in something greater than yourself is a wonderful way to inspire yourself and then hopefully inspire others. We take the candles. We light those candles, especially in dark days, cold days in winter. That's probably why Dafka Hashem made Hanukkah in the winter when we need it most, when it all seems so hopeless, all seems so dark and cold. The days are bitter cold, but the flames warm us. The flames bring us warmth and serenity and peace in our home. We see the lights. We feel the lights. We feel the permeation of the light in our house, in our soul. When the lights are lit and then the the warmth of the candles come to us. The halacha says you're not supposed to really benefit from them. That's why you have the shamash, the leader candle that leads all the other candles, but it's not diminished itself. If you want to help others, you won't be diminished yourself. You have to make sure you're rising up. You have to make sure you're helping. You have to make sure that you're igniting those around you. As we learn from the Parsha about Timnah, even Yehuda, the place of Timnah is somewhere you could get to by going up or by going down, God forbid. In our life, we should make sure to always be going up, to always be rising up. That metaphor of Timnah, the Torah way of life, to make sure that we ourselves are rising up and are moving up every day, bringing more spirituality. Malam B'Kodesh Vemaridin, every day doing a little more holiness, a little more goodness. If we can make sure to ignite ourselves, ignite others, to make sure we're rising up, that we're going up every day, then may, maybe our own existence could be the rise up to Timnah, being making sure that we're rising up, igniting those around us, 
making sure to, to give to others, to light others, and take the candle within us, and the candles from Hanukkah, the candles from our lives, and the spiritual flames, the spiritual existence, to make all of ourselves, our families, our friends in the world, a much better place. Join us next time as we talk the audio DT with Reb T, and I'm your host, Reb T.